Welcome to Hitachi Solutions Podcast. Join us as we talk with our skilled professionals and experts, exploring how customers like you are delivering business outcomes, tackling business challenges, and accelerating their business initiatives, leveraging Microsoft applications and technologies. Welcome everyone to the Exchanges Podcast with Hitachi Solutions and episode one of Invisible CRM. I'm the host today, Adam PC, with my co-presenter, my co-host, Jonathan Yunt. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, Adam. So happy to be here. I love, I love talking about this stuff, and and even better, a nice little added bonus. I get to talk about it with you. I know. It's it's like, why did we decide to do this? Because you and I just wanted to hang out and talk. <laughs> It feels like it. It does feel like a nice flowing conversation, and we, we just started too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so today, everyone, we will be talking about um, the methodology behind what we call invisible CRM. Um, Jonathan and I did do a podcast or a webinar even not long ago, which you can find hopefully in the uh, description of this um, podcast. But. We talked about what invisible in, invisible CRM is, what it what it can do for your organization, and today we're going to dig way deeper into that and look at what's the methodology behind it. <clears throat> so, yeah. Jonathan, one yeah. of the reasons why you and I wanted to get together was because of our different takes and our different positions, should we say, within the organization. Do you want to talk to that? Yeah, listen, I think you and I fundamentally uh, absolutely agree on the benefits and an approach to invisible CRM, but we, we have different lenses and experiences uh, being that I'm, I'm in more of a sales position and you're more of a delivery. Now I, I will give you full disclosure. I used to be in delivery, so I, I never over promise so that someone in delivery <laughs> has to, to, has to hold the bag, <laughs> but no, that uh, never, so happens. <laughs> never, ever, not, never, never, ever happened to me <clears throat> before in my life. Um, but I, so as an industry director for, for Hitachi on the healthcare and insurance verticals, we, I, I help our, our clients focus in on uh, how can we use Dynamics technology or, or Microsoft technology and platforms to extend their, their current people, process, teams, et cetera. So I, I work with them on their current process. I work with them on the future process. And I, I kind of I, I like to say that I'm a storyteller and not a salesperson. I, I, I yeah. tell stories. I help people imagine what could be the art of the possible. It's one of my favorite ways to present something to to clients. And so I, my perspective, I, I, I get a lot of velocity. I get a lot of, you know, customer interactions. And so I, I go a little, little, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg where I, I'd say, Adam, you go deep dive. Uh, as part of delivery in the in the consulting team, you you have deep dive into uh, customer process and, and people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and it's a great handoff as well. And that's one of the real interesting things about I think this podcast series is the two different perspectives: the sales to the delivery. And you are absolutely right. We take that kind of vision, that story that is being told, and we take that and we really start putting it onto the words. We're like the editor of the of the film yeah and uh yeah you are right and it's it, we get real deep and and yeah it's that, those two different lenses of how we approach things that actually are wedded together because yeah. the, the story we sell is ultimately the tale that is told right yep yeah and and, and that's one of my the most important things that the takeaway 
once uh, once we're we're a contract has been signed with a customer, I, I don't go away. I like to stay around and help support the customer, help support the delivery team. In, in yeah, our yeah. to me, and you and I have done it on enough projects together where we have the sales to delivery handoff where I will recreate or share notes or comments or my my storybook about <clears throat> what what was shown, what were points of interest to our customers. And yeah. in a lot of it, I, I, I don't I don't even focus. I try not to focus as much on the technology. I focus more on the people, process, and data of things. Uh, I so love that, that. And that is the methodology, the yeah. first part of our methodology of Invisible yeah. CRM. So yeah. what, what a segue into that. So <laughs> let's just do like a level set. What is Invisible yeah. CRM? Invisible yeah, yeah. CRM, to anyone on the call who hasn't watched the webinar or heard us talk about this before, is a... A methodology and a delivery mindset around how we approach CRM for sales. It is meeting your salespeople where they work. We know that typical, almost 60, 70% of sales CRM implement, implementations typically fail because of a lack of user adoption. How do you solve that? You solve that by meeting the user where they work. Now, how do we go about doing that? What is the methodology? To what Jonathan just said, it is people process and data before the technology so we got to define that first tell that story jonathan this is kind of your wheelhouse right my wheelhouse is probably what we're going to talk about next in our next session which is more about what's the mindset and how do we do that but let's go back to this people process data before technology yeah. and let's let's kind of start there what does it mean let's start with people let's talk about yeah. that well, it, it, I mean, it doesn't go away. It, it, it's it's part of your world too, Adam, because you have to take the user stories and, and distill them into backlog items and and work you know work you know work product there. So for me, when I think, let's start just kind of step by step. People are are the people that are going to be using the system and supporting the system. So we we very often when I do presentations, I take the mindset of a persona. Okay, so this person is um, an agency manager. Let's say we're talking about for for PNC insurance. They they manage the agencies that that distribute their product. Or this person is an underwriter. Or this person is a marketer. I take those personas and I try to 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 map understand their pain points. What are the business values? What are you know what's important to them? How are they consuming? Or how do they want to consume? You know, what is a day? I often show a day in the life. So I'll say, or even a, a, a week in the life. Uh, I had a recent uh, customer. <clears throat> I went through a presentation. It was a three-hour presentation of what is a week in the life of this person, of this, of someone consuming this. So I talked about on Monday, they were pre-planning. Tuesday, they were in, you know traveling and and setting up. Wednesday through Thursday, they were in the field, and Friday they were having a, a summary with their supervisor. So that, to me, informs the story. That informs, you know, okay, number one, who's the person that's going to be using it? And number two, how are they going to be using it? You just heard in that statement, it, it was a mobile presentation, like a mobile consumption. So they, they're at home, they're at their, you know, their office, home office, or they're in the office, fine. That's a desktop experience. They're flying, they're traveling, they're driving around, they're going door, you know, business to business. That's a mobile experience. And then again, back home at, at the mobile, or at the home office. So. Right. It's device agnostic. Ex absolutely. It absolutely. should be, because because technology shouldn't have anything to put, uh, shouldn't have a part to play 
in this cast of characters because the yeah. cast of characters are human beings and yeah. they have a left brain they have a right brain they're analytic driven or they're more um what's the word uh that i'm thinking of improvisational creative mm -hmm. creative mm -hmm. that's creative yeah, yes. yeah. yeah I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah and so they they will consume data in different ways like i know my wife she can't even turn on a laptop bless her but she's amazing with people right mm -hmm. so um, and uh, if you think about sales, where it's a people-driven process and a relationship-driven process, then there may be people in your workforce who can't switch on a laptop or you know, work with a CRM system and all the buttons and all the data that is given to them. It's a cognitive overload. Yeah. So remove that. Think about the individual. Who are your cast of characters taking the story analogy a little bit further? Yeah, and there's, I mean, and there's some people, I know some very... In my experience, there are some very technical sellers as well. Those that really enjoy the data perspective, yeah, and they right. they will they will look at trends. They will look at opportunities for. And we've seen this where we've helped support some of our customers start up new lines of business or or sell new products through the data and analytics they're able to consume and and, and distill. Right, and and that's a really good point that is invisible CRM doesn't mean we're taking CRM away at all. It just means we're delivering CRM to a user in the way that they need it. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, you know, we typically, we, we do technology after understanding people process and data, but for example, you, you know, it could be a canvas app for that mobile experience. It could be sales co-pilot that's embedded within outlook. You know, there's so many different ways now that Microsoft allows us to consume Dynamics and, and CRM data. That there is the platform. Now it is a platform, right? It's not an application. True, true, it's true. A, it's not true. an on-premise application that you install on a <laughs> <your> server. <laughs> Those days are gone, thankfully. Oh my goodness! I was I was looking at some screenshots of 4.0 when I first got introduced to, to oh. Dynamics, and I. Oh, it shows I'm, your edge there, Jonathan. I am, I, I am long in the tooth, gray in the hair, Adam. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but I, I think, same age. yeah, yeah, we, yes, we are. Uh, but but again, these a lot of these things, the the, the personas and, and all the stuff that we've been talking about really is uncovered. Uh, of course, when 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 I'm doing discovery and, and doing requirements gathering and presentations, but even more so when we go through our blueprinting and, and solution lab approach where we have workshops we have we have some of the best and brightest in our advisory practice that will go in they will take an industry and a non-industry approach to try to understand what are the pain points what are the objectives where are opportunities for growth where are opportunities for automation that really again that is technology agnostic that is that is client agnostic that is very much looking at who are these people and how, you know, are they resistant to change? Are they amenable to change? And we're kind of looking at the different personalities. It's not just personas, it's personalities as well. How, just like Adam was saying, right brain, left brain, introverted, extroverted, you know, all these different combinations and permutations of, of who these people are. The advisory practice really works on that organizational change management to help the consistency and stickiness of what they deliver. Yeah, I love that. And they approach it in a way that recognizing that every organization who is making money sells something, whatever and that is, they sell something. And they all sell completely different. Yes, which is a nut, Adam. 
kudos to you. That that's that's a segue right to our next about about process. And and for us, we think of process as you know, what's the secret sauce? What what is your internal workings for um, something like you, you know? You think about a playbook. What? How do you? Do you have 80% of your sales being sold by 20% of your sales force? Do you, what is your process for delivering a quote? What is your process for handling a new lead? What is your process for transitioning from sales to service? That to us is part of process and it's hidden. Uh, or it's, well, no, it's, what, what I think, Jonathan, is a lot of the times when we go through these processes is that what is the defined process, that playbook, oftentimes, isn't actually what is happening boots to ground. Yeah. It's a hidden process. And what Absolutely. we uncover through this is what that hidden process is and why 80% of your sales are being driven by 20% of your sales force. If you can get everyone else selling that 80% at 100% of your sales force, then you know your revenues are going to go up. It's, it's, it's not kind of rocket science. So what is that hidden process? What are the, yeah. What's the secret sauce? And so we uncover those as we work through yeah, and I, I think part of it, you know, you, you think we we help a lot with client takeover as well, uh, or partner takeover, where we, you know, someone maybe not not understanding the industry or not understanding their processes well enough, and we'll see that hey, user adoption might be down. The user adoption is a huge, huge uh, input to invisible CRM, mm-hmm. and we'll see that it, it might be because you know, okay, sure. They didn't understand the process, or maybe they over-engineered the process. Maybe the process needs to be distilled and simplified. Uh, and, and maybe, like outside of technology agnostic, maybe there's a better way we can help you re-engineer your process. Maybe there's duplicate steps. Maybe there's duplicate data entry. Maybe there's something that is uh, superfluous and not needed for for this. Or maybe there's a certain person or department that is a bottleneck so I, I think that like the advisory and the workshops really shines a light on what's working what's not working okay let's all kind of focus on how do we improve and, and rise the tide and what's interesting there is we see a lot particularly when we're doing takeovers is we see a lot on the delivery side where the customer can take advantage of the new technology being released by Microsoft because that system has been over-engineered because yeah. the because of whatever reason, because the process was overcomplicated, because they didn't find the hidden process, whatever it was, means that now you can use things like Copilot because you're not using regular tables, just certain things like that. So it's yeah. a real, really valid point. Well, I, and I think, you know, you and I were just talking about before we started recording, there's, there, there, you know, doing audits, often, often doing audits on your technology and, and platform is 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 essential because there's there's rationalization to be had you think of we, we've talked to enough uh, the, the 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 word rationalization has come up three times with major enterprise massive massive titans of industry where they're looking to consolidate where they're looking to rationalize hey are there duplicative efforts going on here and so we we absolutely um you know, again, to, to go to a technology term, we're, we're looking to stay out of the box as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's for so many reasons. To sim- Like Microsoft has completely uh, expanded into so many different areas and, and just really pushed the envelope in terms of functionality and features in the platform. So why not use that 
to the best of your abilities and stay as close to out of the box. Now, listen, we don't. That doesn't mean we don't do customization or development or extension. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. First and foremost, let's take an out-of-the-box approach and then do that gap fit and see where it, where it needs to be extended. Yeah, it's that is exactly right. Um, there was something I was thinking as you were as you were talking there, um, which was it's it's okay to have a system that is bloated. It is, you know, because that's what it was like six years ago what that's kind of how crm was kind of positioned right xrm um and typically you know you could be on the platform for six years seven years you're going to get bloat so that rationalization piece that you were talking about i think is essential just in the life cycle of a project of a platform um but then to think about okay now Microsoft are investing so much in things like AI and, and dynamics as a plat as a platform on top of the power platform mm-hmm. that you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of all of those by remaining as true to the vision of dynamics as possible whilst extending upon that. I call it extensibility and extending rather than yeah. configuration or customization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I agree with you there. I, I, we used to say configuration versus customization, but I, I, extensibility, I, I think, is, is a fair point there. And, and customization, obviously, at a certain point, you'll, you'll reach a cliff where you need to, to you know, include or, or uh, incorporate some, some development there. So, and then, you know, you think about it, a lot of it, here we go with another segue to the data part. I, for me, when I, my first CRM or, or kind of enterprise type project was, was, um, was for CRM 4.0 and then 2011. And my, I, I had the good fortune of working with someone who was a really good, um, business advisory person. So someone who had business experience and was part of the business and now was part of IT. I worked with a, a, a very, very senior developer. And probably more important than that, I worked with an enterprise architect who took a very data-specific approach to things. And he, he had helped implement um, a master data management, uh, MDM solution at that company. And so he forced us to sit down and, and go through. It was I, like I had, I've, had more, <clears throat> I've had more fun at a dentist visit before than some of those meetings because it was, it was going down to to the a level of granularity uh, and no offense to any dentists out there that are listening to this podcast hey, but, but if anyone sees jonathan's teeth he's got amazing <laughs> white teeth <laughs> cheers for that mate um so we've we've got it was a data approach we we literally okay so you've got your process you know your personas but like let's talk about what does a customer look like and then what does an opportunity look like what does an order look like quote invoice what does uh, we were we were selling uh, product at, at that point uh, for that customer, and so they were. What does a product look like? What are the different SKUs look like? And you'd get down to such levels of minutia, uh, Adam. It was maddening, but for him, this was this was a science. This was scientific because the data is the lifeblood of any good platform, of any good system. Data without data, without good data, without quality data, y- you are. It's failure to launch. And as we move into the into the realm of generative AI, which I don't think we've really mentioned yet, but as we move into AI and you're having these, 
you know, large language models and um, training models and, and all of that against your data. If your data is awful, what do you think is going to happen to the responses to your data? Yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. Exactly. It doesn't know that that opportunity there was dormant for 12 years because no one closed it. That skews. Yes, exactly. Without data, data, we like to say data governance, data stewardship. Mm-hmm. That is that is very much like the software development lifecycle. You ha- it's continuous. It never goes away. You need to have some sort of steering committee that's looking at the 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 platform itself as well as the data. And, and yep. really, so I, I've worked with a number of organizations where they had data stewards and that could have been by department that could have been by business unit that could have been by line of business that you name it they were like by country region we had i've worked with enough clients that have those those that have successful implementations have data stewards have those super users that are saying hey this is not good or they build in those those kind of guardrails to make sure that the data entry is is good going in, and that could be you know the transformation from website uh, a lead you know contact us to 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 dynamics, or that could be manual input, or that could be you know Excel up uh, spreadsheet uploading. So there's there's so many different ways to engage. So many different ways. Interesting, you said that. Oh, I think from my perspective in delivery, we put in lots of guardrails around mm. data stewardship. But it is only as effective as the people behind it. The other piece around data that I think gets missed a lot, and it's, it kind of ties in our people and our process, is the data movement, the movement of data. Movement of data in Invisible CRM does not follow the person necessarily. It doesn't have to be traditional CRM where a user is inputting data into a form like the Magna Carta. It doesn't yeah. have to be like that necessarily. Not anymore. Yeah. We have mechanisms to take things like unstructured data and structure it into a way that then can be put into a system using things like large language models, right? Mm-hmm. And generative AI. That can help you in your data stewardship if we track the movement of data versus tracking the, the movement of the person inputting the data and yeah. different processes. It can be yeah. different. And then, and then from there, like you've got, you've got your personas, you've got your processes, you've got your data in place, you have an understanding. Okay, now we don't even, we will not put fingers to keyboard until those three pieces are in place. I mean, sure, maybe we'll get an environment set up, we'll get dev and 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 test and you know QA or UAT and then production. Those things set up. Okay, great. You know, we'll get maybe some security, some some users set up there. But truly, truly starting to build and configure the solution will not happen until those three are in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then then it becomes about the mindset of how do we surface information to users to consume as well as input? And how do we do that? And that piece, ladies and gentlemen listening on the line, is the next episode. Oh, that's just like cutting to a commercial right before a click. It is. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. That is, <laughs> just you that. are, you're made uh, for Hollywood, my friend. I know. I feel like I'm the Hardy Boys at the end of an episode, <laughs> you know, the end of a chapter of <laughs> reading do, the Hardy I Boys. Do. <laughs> I do. You are, you're showing our ages here. I know. Uh, I know. I was brought up on that. 
So anyway, folks, um, as part of exchanges, we always like to wrap up with three takeaways of our summary. So Jonathan, give me two and I'll do one. Give me two of your takeaways. I'll give you one and then you give me two. two. No, okay. So, so I'll give you two. Number one, I think absolutely having this as a, as a mindset, having this as kind of, you know, it's almost like a card carrying little reminder in your pocket whenever you're engaging through these workshops is, is saying, I need to understand my people and process and data before everything and using that as, as kind of your North star. Uh, yeah. as you go throughout this implementation. I'd say that's that's one takeaway. <laughs> the second one I would say is is understanding, just like you said, you know, servicing the information to the users whenever they need it and whenever, you know, how, where and and, and when they need it. That to me is a key component of invisible CRM. That that is, you know, okay, so now you understand your people and your process and the data. How are you going to deliver that to them that makes sense? Mm-hmm. meeting them where they work you bet yep and then the third one for me i guess would be extensibility over customizations just because i made it up on the spot and i really like uh, it. well you know and i i would i'd run rush to the, the patent office to get to yeah. get the trademark on that adam i'm going that's my next one <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, folks, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, remember to subscribe to the Exchanges podcast with Itachi Solutions wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find the entire episode library at global.itachi-solutions.com. Thank Thanks you for me and Jonathan. Yeah, Bye. Bye. We are Hitachi Solutions a global team of innovators who support our customers' data and business system modernization initiatives.